want you this morning, if you will, open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Maybe one of the most familiar verses we'll read today that are found in this book. Uh, many of you may have memorized uh, the, the meanings or the, the, the words that are that are written for us in Proverbs chapter 3. But today I want to apply it uh, to your lives. Let me begin by telling you when I was uh, probably about 10 or 11 years of age, my, uh, my family took a vacation out to see my grandma who lived in Los Angeles. And uh, those were usually about the only vacations we got. But going to Los Angeles every couple of years is pretty nice. Uh, we got to go to the beach and to Disneyland and to Knott's Berry Farm and all of those things. But we also got to see things along the way. And on that year, we went by the Grand Canyon. Uh, if you've not been to the Grand Canyon, the pictures don't even really do it justice to see how massive it is. But I remember being there and where we were looking out over the rim, right there was a place where you could take a ride down into the Grand Canyon. It was on mules, but you could ride down into the Grand Canyon and back. And I wanted to do that. We didn't do it because it cost money. But I wanted to go down in there. So I was watching as these animals took the, uh, uh, took the people down on their backs. A couple things that I noticed. One was how close the donkey, the mules, I'm sorry, were to one another. I mean, they were just bumper to bumper traffic. Um, they were I-70, I guess, at rush hour, except they weren't going 70 miles an hour. They were going fairly slowly down this steep path, and there was, there was just to the right of them on that path, a drop off and I would watch and I, I'd say oh dad can't we please go down there and no that and I found out later that the reason one of the reasons why my dad didn't want to pay the money to go down ride that mule was because he grew up behind a mule and a plow <laughs> and he said to me one time he said uh, I want you to know that when you're plowing a field behind a mule, the hardest part of that job is when you get to the end of the row and you gotta turn that mule around. And you gotta change the, the, the path they're on and go a different direction. That's the hardest part. And when you're plowing a field, you have that quite frequently throughout the day. And he, he told me, the, the, the problem is this, mules have a mind of their own. They do what they want, when they want, and whatever it is they choose to do, they don't think about what will happen 10 seconds from now. They're in the moment, they, uh, they, they just, they're gonna do what they want. And so because of that, I remember watching as sometimes those mules on that path would lean their head out over the side of that drop off and grab a hold of a weed or something that was growing out of the cliff. The people that were on the mules were petrified 
as this one. And, and that, by the way, didn't just wasn't just coming down, going down, it was coming back up also. And so uh, after a while, I began to be grateful that we weren't on the backs of those mules. Now, I share that with you to say this. People can be a lot like mules. The four-legged kind, we know, we understand, that's just the way that they are. But the two-legged kind, the humans, we are the ones that, that act at times exactly the same way. Why is that? Why do we do that? But by the way, we're talking in this study of, of Proverbs called the path. Um, and we're, we're looking at some truths about, uh, about living our lives. And we've talked about being on a path. We're all on a path. And we're headed a certain direction. And sometimes we can be on a path going the wrong way and be stubborn enough to stay on that path. Keep going that way. Destroy our lives. Am I right? And if we are somebody who's over here watching the people on that trail, we say, why don't they make a change? But if we're on that trail, we begin to justify and rationalize the decisions that we have made to get on this path. Even though, the, well, the problem is we're not thinking about what's going to happen 10 seconds from now. We're only thinking about what I want now. Now, that's what Proverbs chapter 3 is going to talk to us about today. So I hope that you're there. And I, I want to I tell you that there's a reason why we are stubborn and reason why we don't choose the right path, even when we know we're on the wrong one. Now, I, I've got a couple of reasons that I just want to share with you. Uh, and I get these from... Uh, uh, Andy Stanley's uh, uh, book called The Path. And here, here is what he, he suggests to us. One reason we are, uh, we, can, we don't get our way or don't get back to the path is because our heart is on a happiness quest, not a truth quest. If we be honest with ourselves, what is the most important thing to us is what makes us happy. Now, if we're not careful, that can even slip over into our worship. That can slip over into our church time. We want church done the way that makes me happy. And so we are, we are pursuing, we're, we're not in this mad quest to find out what's right and what's true. We don't get up in the morning and the first thing on our mind is to say, I today want to find out what God's truth is in this world and live it, flesh it out. We get up and we're in the back of our minds, at least, we're thinking, I want to do this today and do this today and do this today because that will make me happy. Or at least it will make me feel happy. And so feelings become a, a, an enormous guide in our lives. Because we're not seeking truth, we want happiness. The second thing that is true, why we get on this path and, and don't get off, is because our heart chooses the happy now path rather than the happy later path. Those words are made up. I don't know that, that happy now or happy later will be in their dictionary. 
But what that means is we live in the present without a thought. Well, we might give it a thought, but without any, any regard for the consequences that may follow. This is going to make me happy. It's going to make me feel good. So therefore, I'm going to do it, and I'll take care of, of the problems that, that arise from it tomorrow or in 10 minutes. That's exactly what the mule does. I want that weed that's growing out of the, in the path down there. And even though it's going to make somebody else feel uncomfortable, that's what I want. And that's what I feel is going to make me happy. And so they pursue that. That's the way we live our lives, isn't it? I mean, aren't those two things that I've told you true? We don't really aren't being guided by truth. Hopefully we've grown um, as as individuals, hopefully we've we've spent time in God's word enough to where we have at least set out a pursuit for truth, but we are still guided by our feelings and what we want. And aren't we sometimes willing to trade happiness later for happiness now? So we want to... Uh, we want to answer some of those questions as to how, what do we do about this being the problem. In our study, this is our third week. In the first two weeks, we learned two principles that we need to have in life. The first one is this. Your direction determines your destination. We saw that in, in uh, week one, our first week, two weeks ago. Your direction determines your destination. The road you're on is going to be where you end up unless you get off that road. Wherever it's going to, whatever path you're on, it may seem good, it may feel good, but down the road you start to say, uh-oh, what do I do now? <clears throat> well, that's when we find, when you come to that fork in the road where I've got to choose the direction I'm going or a different direction. And let's be honest, every decision in life is one of those. <clears throat> every decision that we make is one of those decisions. When we come to those things, we've got to make, there are times we have to do what we talked about last week. We have to make a course correction. We've got to go a different direction. We have to, <coughs> excuse me, we have to uh, understand that prudence requires us. <clears throat> to have a course correction. When dangers realized, <clears throat> excuse me, when dangers realized, we have to go a different way. Isn't that what, what he talked about? He says, uh, the prudent sees danger and he hides. The simple keeps going their direction and are destroyed. That's my paraphrase of the verse. But prudence requires sometimes that we change the course that we're on. This is all about, whether you've caught this or not, your heart. This is about your heart. And so today, I want to share with you about what I, this message that I've entitled, Matters of the Heart. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 3. And I want you to turn there. Notice with me. Beginning at verse 5. <clears throat> Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord, Solomon writes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats uh, bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. <clears throat> According to Solomon, God will make your paths straight. To, uh, if you do if you do three things that we just read, God will straighten your path. He will give you a clarity if you're if you'll get off of your high horse and be teachable and not resist God's leadership in your life. <clears throat> now, um, sometimes when you're when I'm preparing a sermon, I have to kind of dig deep in order to be able to get maybe some points out of it not today we could just we could just reread the text and it would it would it would be so clear to us to understand what we should do but in proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 he tells us what to do and the outline is right there the first thing that he tells us that we should do notice it in verse 5 Trust the Lord with all your heart. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Now, some of you are familiar with this verse. Some of you maybe haven't heard it before. Some of you are so almost so familiar with this verse that we miss what it's saying to us, what it's teaching to us. So I want you to look at it as if you're looking at it uh, for the first time, trust the Lord with all your heart. This is a the starting place. You're not going to ever be able to to be on that straight path and stay on it and go the way that's going to really bring true happiness until you first start there. You learn how to trust the Lord with all of your heart in every arena of life, <clears throat> in every possible path. In every category of path, uh, trust God. The answer to choosing the right path is simply this, choose God. Sometimes we have this fork in the road, a decision that we have to make. We can go this way, which is what I feel, what I want, what makes me happy, or I can go this way. How do you make a choice? If we're a mule, we'll say, I'm going to go the way that I like, the way that makes me feel good. If we're wise, which Solomon is trying to teach us, what we will do is we will choose God. Now, let me, let me just say this. It just enters my head. Sometimes choosing what makes you feel good 
is also the direction of God. Making you happy is not just something that you want. I, I believe God wants us to, to live happy, content, and fulfilled lives. Our problem is we misunderstand what that means. Uh, there are times when doing without something may not make you very happy at the time, but down the road it will. And God's willing to have the happy later part of your life because it'll be better than the happy now that is gone as soon as we as soon as we use it up. So sometimes choosing what you feel is the right direction. There are other times it's not. Other times what you feel and what you want and what makes you happy is not God's direction for your life. And so if you want to, to get on that, that path, that, that right path, um, trust the Lord with, you know, with all your heart. Here's the problem with, with, uh, with our heart. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah wrote in, in, his, in his prophecy in chapter 17, verse 9. He says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately sick, he writes. Who can understand it? How can you trust your heart? I understand I'm speaking to people who get out on a Sunday morning when it's five degrees. I understand when I'm preaching to the choir and, and uh, that you are, you are good godly people but I want you to know and understand this to be true you have a wicked heart now God may have redeemed you from that but even after I became a Christ follower redeemed from my wicked heart I found out that my heart still had some some work to be done and I think that that's true now that I've lived most of my life probably that um, I'm going to have this wickedness with me as long as I'm alive. This deceitful heart. So I, all of my life is going to be about choosing what my heart tells me I want and what God tells me I want. And so that's what he's saying to us. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust your heart. Your heart will lead you astray sometimes. God never will. So, first point, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Secondly, in verse 5, <clears throat> he says, do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Has there ever been a time in your life when you trusted God with all your all your ways, all your hearts. Many of you trusted him for salvation, which is kind of like inviting God into your living room. Dear Lord, come into my life. But that's as far as you let him go. You don't take him into the dining room or the bedroom or, of course, not that closet that has those things hidden away. Those things you don't want God to see. Have you ever come to a place where you trust God with your whole house? Your whole heart? You know why that's hard? 
I think. I think it's hard because I am someone who likes to be in control of me. Does there anybody else suffer with that? Control syndrome. I want to do what I want to do. I want to, <clears throat> God, I want to please you. I, I want to thank you for being my, my savior and all of these things, but I, I don't think you understand how tough life is down here. I mean, it's, I read these things in the Bible that were written 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, and they just don't seem to work nowadays. So I think that I should know what's best, but I want you to come along with me. And God, if I ever get off the path, tap me on the shoulder and show me, show me how to go back. You know what I've discovered? When I feel that tapping, I have learned how to ignore it. Anybody else? I have learned how to trust what I want. I lean on my own understanding. Here's the problem with that. I know I'm stupid. Okay? I'm not talking about I'm ignorant, I don't know. I'm talking about I'm mulish. I want to do what I want to do. And what I think is right is what's right. And so, God, you and all that other group have to come around to my way of thinking. Don't lean on your own understanding. If you want to be on the right path, don't trust your own thoughts. And then in verse 6, he says, In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge God. In everything that you do, seek him first. Put him first. Trust him with all of your heart. Don't lean on the way that you rationalize and put everything together and understand it. But instead, acknowledge him. To acknowledge him means to seek his direction, his counsel. Not just say, God, I know you're up there, so if you don't mind, don't look for a few minutes while I do this. Now, we'd never say that to God, but that's what we do with our lives. And and I, I, I have to um, I have to trust learn to trust God and say God here's what I'm going to do what way should I go what way do you want for me to go here's what I think and God says no this, this way and when you hear that voice of God give you direction and counsel <clears throat> listen to it take heed to it follow it that will keep your life on the right path now, <clears throat> I'd like to uh, share with you now about some action plans, some things that you can put into, your, into practice in your life to do these things, all right? <clears throat> By the way, did you notice when we read Proverbs chapter 3, <clears throat> we went beyond verses 5 and 6, or 5, 6. Did you notice that? We went beyond because the latter part of that, that usually is not the part that people memorize. The last part of that tells us how to do what, the, what Proverbs, uh, the first part, tells us in trusting God and, and don't lean on your own understanding. And in everything you do, acknowledge him. Seek his direction. Rather, it, uh, it tells us the action plans. And so... I want you to, I hope you're looking again at your Bible because I don't have these words 
on the screen, <clears throat> but in, notice in verses 9 through 12 that he tells you three action steps for your heart. <clears throat> Here they are. Number one, action step number one, don't be wise in your own eyes. Choose not to be wise in your own eyes. Now, that's not saying don't be wise. <clears throat> that's the whole point of the book of Proverbs. But don't be wise in your eyes. Be wise in God's eyes. Do you have a television set in your home? I, I, I'm not being smart alecky there. I, if you ever, if you watch, if you notice the news and the commentators and all of this, how everybody is at everybody, and every one of them is convinced they are right, <clears throat> because this is my team, my group, and I am right. This week, we've just got a little bit of a reprieve from that, sort of. Because instead of fussing and fighting about politics, all the disagreements and, and back and forth have been about a Super Bowl. But next Monday, that'll, that'll come back around. The people who are on the winning team will say, see, I told you so. And the other ones will say, wait till next year. But then we'll go back into being wise in our own eyes. I believe that God is telling us in these verses, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think I need to consult God on this one. After all, I'm an expert. I've been down this path before. I know what I'm doing. I've even taken classes in it. Do you know that there are some things that a college degree or a postgraduate degree won't offset? Some people can be just so stubborn that no matter how much education you give them, or let me take some of the sting out of that, no matter how much education you give me, I'm still going to choose to do what I think is right because I am wise in my own eyes. Don't do that. <clears throat> let me share with you a, a second action step for your heart. And that is honor God's provisions for you. Honor God's provisions for you. You notice what it says in verse 9? Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all you produce. That's talking about with your income. I know that this is the... Preachers stop preaching and go to meddling, talking about giving again. No, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says to honor God with everything that he gives you. Use it in the way that he tells you. That's not just talking about putting 10% into the offering uh, or putting whatever it is that you put into the offering plate and then using the rest of the way you want. All of it's his. And he gives it to you, and he wants you to use it wisely and honorably and obediently. God provides for you, takes care of you, and uh, 
It all came from him. So if you want him to direct your paths, first let him direct your wallet. If you can gain control over this area, if you can learn how to trust God with your money, with your wallet, then he can have your heart too. Have you ever noticed sometimes you reach in that pocket to pull out your your wallet and it's, it has a string somehow connected to your heart and it's just really, there's some things that's really hard to give up. <clears throat> you know, you're, you're at a, you're hearing a missionary speak and they take up an offering for him and you open up your wallet and you look and you thumb through all the 20s. Uh, I guess I can give him 10. Well, everybody else, five would be plenty. And, and this is what we do. It's hard for us to give. Now, we may go to the casinos, and it's not hard there. Or to the bar, and it's not hard there. But it is hard for us to give to God. Here's what Solomon, one of the, the man who was called the, the wisest man in the world, <clears throat> and certainly at that time was most likely the richest man in the world. He had to make a good income. The guy had 300 wives and 700 concubines. He was a wealthy, wealthy man. And here's what he learned about wealth. Honor God with all your wealth. With everything that he gives him, to gives you, you should say, God, how do you want me to use this? Who do you want me to give this to? How do I give? What do I take care of? Somehow, when we are seeking God's wisdom, for the way that we use the resources that he gives us, some things that are very, very, very important to us begin to diminish a little bit, don't they? Maybe the choice of our new automobile or how big that big screen TV is that hangs over your fireplace. Nothing wrong with those things. But our, I'm talking about sometimes it's easy to purchase those things and to give up what God has given to us rather than honoring the Lord with your wealth. Now, why should you do that? Your barns will then be filled to overflowing. Your vats will be full, filled with wine. This is very similar to what, what Malachi wrote in Malachi chapter 3, isn't it? Bring your tithe into the storehouse and try, trust me in this. Try me in this, says the Lord. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that your barns can't contain? That's not just hyperbole. That's not just lofty thinking. That's the truth of God's word, and it's not just found in Malachi. Here, it's found here. If you honor God with the provisions that he gives to you, he'll take care of every need that you have to overflowing. Honor the Lord with your provision. And then thirdly, don't blame God for your pain. Don't blame God for your pain. We are pretty good as two-legged mules, are we not? <clears throat> to place blame on God for everything that happens to us. God, why would why'd you let this happen to me? Why? How did I end up on this path, God? I can't figure it out. The choices that we've made have consequences. They take us directions. The path that we choose to walk on leads us somewhere. 
And then God, because he loves you along the way, is going to seek to turn you around, to change you. <clears throat> it amazes me. Let me just quit preaching for just a second just tell you my thought. It amazes me how folks can, can uh, be going a certain way, hear counsel, hear truth about what they should do and how they're off the path, and say, I don't care, I'm going to go this way anyhow because I like it. Feels good to me, I'm going to do it. And then we'll later say, God, how did this happen? Where did I go wrong? What? As if it's God's fault. But God will seek to get you back on that path. And to that end, he will bring about discipline into your life. Why does he do that? Why does he bring discipline into your life? Because he's God and he likes to be mean. He wants to remind you who's on the throne and who's tough. No, he does that because he loves you. You see, he says, if you can forego pleasure for right now, I have joy waiting for you. Learn to trust me. Don't lean to your own understanding. And everything you do, seek me first. <clears throat> and when you get out of line, I'll correct you. I'll be there to, to, uh, to put you back into where you need to be. And the problem with that is that can be painful. Am I right? See, we grew up, I grew up in a, in a house that at the end of our, at each side of our yard, we had a row of hedge bushes. Um, they looked nice, and they were a nice windbreak and all that, but they also were the things that got, that my dad would, or my mom would send us out with a, with a knife to cut off a switch to discipline us. And I will tell you, because I watched this happen to my brother and sisters, that that switch was painful. It was, it was a switch across the back. And I think that maybe one of the greatest pains was knowing that I deserved what I was getting. I had disobeyed significantly. I didn't get switched when, when I wouldn't eat all my broccoli. You know, that kind of thing. But there were th things that my mother and my father did to me uh, in order to teach me. And I've come to realize, once I had children of my own, and when I had grandchildren that my children were raising and watching, watching it all over again, I have come to realize that if you love your children, you discipline, you control. Sometimes it may even require, if you're me, a switching. But whatever it is, the reason why you do it is not because you're upset with them and you're angry, but because you love them. When we get off the right path that we ought to be on and God comes down to discipline us, he doesn't hate us. He doesn't dislike us. He isn't doing this because he enjoys it. He's doing it because it's best for you. It's best for your good. And so don't blame God for your pain. Your pain is there because you've gone the wrong way. You've made wrong choices. And now you have to 
reap the whirlwind, if you will. And this is what <clears throat> this is what Solomon writes to us. And you know what? You know what I find interesting, intriguing about this? Sometimes the stuff that I'm talking about today, we think is a new phenomenon that's come along. This was a problem 3,000 years ago when Solomon wrote it. People were stubborn and mulish in their ways then. And I just really believe from reading on back before Solomon wrote that this has been a problem on planet Earth for long, long time. As long as there have been these two-legged creatures walking around on it, there has been, uh, there has been this, this attitude of, I want to be in charge of myself. <clears throat> now, theologically, the Bible talks that, calls that sin. That nature of sin that I want to do what I want to do, it's been around since Adam and Eve were here. And it's still a problem today. And the solution to it is still the same. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning to your own way of thinking, but acknowledging him with everything that you do. Giving him first place with all of your decisions, with everything that you do. If we do that, he will direct our paths. Isn't that what you want? You see, it's all about what's in your heart. Now, I can tell you this, and I can talk to you about what's in your heart, and you can, you, can, uh, you can fail to understand that I'm not telling you this and saying to you, change your way. I'm saying to you, change your heart. Change your heart. Give it, and you know what? You can't do that. I can't, I had to pay somebody a lot of money to reach inside my chest and and work on my heart. But I, even he couldn't fix the problem in my heart. The problem in my heart could only be done by the hand of God. Salvation is the only solution to staying on that straight path. That's where it starts. And then we have to follow in the directions that God leads. That's what I hope and what I pray for your life, that you will trust God. I want you to bow your head with me, if you will, please. <clears throat> Father, today, as stubborn at times and mutely at times persons, with self-centered hearts and with desires and lusts in our flesh, we do things and we go a direction that we know is wrong, but we like it. But we know the end of it is destruction. And so today, Father, I, I want to pray for these who are hearing this message today, that today we might learn to trust you, to give our heart to you, to ask you, Father, to do something with our heart, something new. Change us, Father, so that we are willing to go in the, in the direction that you would have us to go. So Lord, teach us your ways and teach us not to trust our own ways, but in everything to acknowledge you. Lord, I just pray that we might take these truths and we might embed them into our hearts and apply them 
into our lives so that, Father, we can be on that path that we need to be on. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.